What is up, everyone? Welcome to R2, L2, L2R2, PlayStation Podcast. My name is Fonzie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Indie Game Dev, and my UK bro for another mom, Cal Monroe. Cal, how are you doing? Yeah, good. I think just as soon as you started sort of introducing it, my internet seemed to have uh, done something because you now look very crisp in HD, so that was a good time. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I put on... I have tinfoil lining my pants, so I think that's what's what's helping. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to ask, but I didn't want to get too into that. <laughs> no, that's that's why I keep the camera up here. I'm just all at tinfoil. It doesn't cover everything, so that's why it's yeah. just just showing up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The high bit, man. Yeah, not bad. Um, just same old, really. Just been working and um, getting cold because it's now October. Um, and yeah, just, just same old, really just plodding on. Yeah. It's, you mentioned it's October, it's October now. Um, yeah, like we're a month, a little over a month away from PS5. That's what November 10th, 11th, something around there. It's like mid November. It's so crazy to be this close and we've just been talking about this for a while now and it's finally happening. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, Very exciting. We get it a week later over here, which is very sad, but um, the looks of things, I won't even be getting one anyway because I can't find any. But uh, um, but no, yeah, very exciting. It's it's crazy how close it is. Um, I think especially for people who have got them um, sort of confirmed for the day. Um, it's pretty mad that, you know, something that big has only been available to pre-order a couple of months before it's released. But I quite like it. It's, it's exciting. We don't have to wait too long. And, um, and there was a huge amount of hype sort of because of it. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting um and yeah i'll just have to uh hire someone to steal yours and uh bring it over to me so get it a week <laughs> early that way as well <laughs> you know what i looked into this so when i'd asked you about your address a couple weeks ago part of that was also i yeah. had two pre-orders for the ps4 they were like still locked in one one of them was through target originally in the states and then through directly through mm. playstation since i had the two i was like maybe i can like yeah. ship it to callum he can just like i don't know paypal me the yeah. cash or whatever yeah. i looked into shipping and it was maybe 90 percent of the cost of the ps4 or ps5 really? just to ship it to you so oh, it's like God. there's yeah. no way i could actually make get it done but yeah. unless i no i pre i appreciate the the thought though. <laughs> but yeah i'd have to like i'd have to have that weird um american plug with the two that's two true prongs or three prongs or sometimes it's two, two prongs yep um yeah yeah i'm not about that um <laughs> i prefer the big the big english plugs that that don't look like they're going to fall out the wall all the time <laughs> yeah it's interesting that we have different uh, electricity standards for plugins it seems yeah, like it should be the same yeah. but like universally but yeah. i'm not sure why yeah. they went with that but it'd be a whole process yeah. to you know completely rebuild the infrastructure when it already works so it's like why why throw out the window yeah well i i always sort of whenever i come over to america or in, i think europe have the same electrical uh sort of outlet as well Mm. um and you always have to get like that travel adapter or whatever and they always sort of you like you'll put them in but they're too heavy for the wall so they'll sort of like tilt out um or like um they'll they'll sort of have like a lock on it that you got to slide across to like make sure it stays in the wall oh. and that's just too many too many uh things for me to to, to have <laughs> to worry about right <laughs> nice so uh, you've been playing anything this week <laughs> Uh, yeah, so a couple of weird ones, actually. I've actually just started playing mm. Skyrim, which is a game I don't really like, um, but I've been thinking <laughs> about giving it another go um, okay. and seeing seeing what happens. Um, 
And yeah, I've played about maybe an hour uh, or so, and I am liking it a lot more. Um, I'm trying to like really get invested in the law because I love Oblivion and Morrowind. So I'm really trying to like read all the books I pick up, really listen to everything, explore and just really take my time with it. And it looks really, really nice. Um, I'm playing on my PC on Ultra 1440p and it actually nice. looks a lot better than I thought it would. And that's with no mods or anything. Um, so yeah, so I've been play played a little bit of that and I've also been playing um, Ease or Wise or however you pronounce it. Um, that JRPG I was playing last week. Okay, um, nice. I bought the um, original first two games, which have been like sort of touched up and things and you can get them on your phone so i've just been playing through that today um and it's really good fun they're only about six hours long or so so you can just sort of blast through them which is quite refreshing for a jrpg um so yeah i've just been uh playing through through that as well but other than that i've been wanting to play some more last of us too but i think i said last week i'm at the hospital um so i've been waiting for a time where i feel brave brave enough to, <laughs> to tackle that yeah <laughs> We'll give you the Skyrim bug to go back in. Did you originally play it when it came out, or is this kind of your first time jumping in? Yeah, so um, I was a massive, massive fan of Oblivion um, on 360, I think I played it on. Um, and I, I mean, I played that for hundreds and hundreds of hours. And uh, so when Skyrim came out, I was very excited. I got it on my PS3, and I just felt like in pretty much every way except visually, it was just like a complete step backwards. I thought Oblivion was far deeper had much more things going on felt a lot more alive i just thought it was so much more interesting uh, and it was a lot more difficult as well but in like a really mm. engaging rpg sort of way um whereas skyrim i thought was just really like toned down really streamlined but not in a good way um and yeah so i i, I nearly finished it when i first played it um, and then i got it again on pc a few years ago and i just modded like the crap out of it um and made it even more uh, unenjoyable <laughs> um so i've now sort of had a few years to like stew on it and um yeah i thought you know I'm, I'm i'm interested in sort of playing it and especially with all the stuff going on with bethesda at the moment it just sort of put it back in my mind um and yeah I, I, and to be honest I, I am enjoying it a lot more and playing it on like a hard difficulty to try and recreate that oblivion kind of feel mm. um and yeah like i said uh, just the fact it looks like it does. Uh, I didn't think it would look as good as it does on PC all scaled up, but um, it looks really nice, runs really well. Um, so yeah, so uh, feeling optimistic about it. But like I said, I'm only like an hour in, so that could all change. Yeah, you mentioned Oblivion, and uh, that reminds me, I just listened to this interview. It was Major Nelson from Xbox. He talked to the heads at Bethesda, and uh, I want to say Todd Howard, possibly the, the main guy over there at Bethesda. They're talking about developing, putting yeah. Oblivion on the original Xbox 360, and they had to do a bunch of weird things, like uh, reload the game in the background. So initially, when you load the game through your Xbox, it's uh, it's giving you this low uh, long load time. But uh, no, the original Xbox, yeah, not the 360. It's loading the, it's actually resetting the game, rebooting the game while it's showing you the loading screen. And I guess you can do that without telling the user that you're rebooting the entire console. So yeah. they're rebooting the console just yeah. to like free up memory, but they're just showing you the loading screen. Yeah. But they had to do a bunch of tricks like that to get it to run at yeah. the level that it needed to. But it was just super interesting that they're yeah. doing all these crazy tricks to to get it to work. But uh, yeah, in, in light of that whole yeah. um, news that they acquired them, they actually have been doing a lot of interviews together, trying to be somewhat honest, but you know, as much as they they can with the whole pr yeah. stuff but yeah and one of them was just talking about yeah. their history with xbox but yeah it was it was pretty interesting yeah yeah and no, i yeah i remember um, i think it's my uh brothers who got uh, xbox 360 this is when it sort of was first well when it first came out of like gears one and all that and i think oblivion was sort of 
uh, one of the launch games for 360 or something. Um, and I remember sort of the first time playing it, I was like, what on earth is this game? Like, it's so weird. Like, I, I just didn't didn't really compute with me that kind of game. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I ended up just falling in love with it. I mean, it's so, it's just so, feels so real, even though it is really stupid and bizarre <laughs> and buggy. Um, right. It, you really do feel like, you know, you, you're progressing and getting stronger and uh, the characters are all really funny and quirky and it's just such a great, a great, great game. And um, and when I started playing Skyrim, I was reading all this lore uh, right at the beginning. You like find all these books and I was just reading through them. Um, and it mentioned about uh, Oblivion and sort of it like related the two stories together. And that sort of helped me kind of get a little bit more interested in it. Um, so, yeah, so I'm hoping I'll enjoy that. And, um, you know, I'm hoping it'll be like another Mass Effect thing. You know, I spent years just hating on this game, um, you know, <laughs> telling people how bad it is. And then I'll become like a big super fan afterwards. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> nice. Yeah, with Skyrim, I, I spent so many hours in that world when it came out. And I'm not typically a big fan of, I do like Lord of the Rings, but the whole like Middle Earth kind of stuff, mm. that whole genre sort of uh, turns me off. But with Skyrim, yeah. I jumped in and loved it and spent so much time and mm. almost to the point where I'm so I did everything in that game where I'm just so kind of burned from it where I haven't touched it since yeah. in the like you know six yeah. years five I mean it's been longer than since, since that thing launched yeah, but yeah. yeah I haven't haven't touched it again yeah. but uh you mentioned how buggy these games yeah. are they are and that's that's a testament to that engine they use and they kind of Bethesda and rightfully so they get shit every time because they they tweak it, you know, they improve it, say with like Fallout 4, Fallout 76, but it's this engine that really needs to just kind of be completely overhauled. Do you have any hope that going yeah. forward with like Starfield, they're just going to, because they have said that like, oh, they were actually revitalizing and completely turning the engine into something yeah. else, but then it still has yeah. issues. Do you have hope that they're going to like completely overhaul this thing? Yeah, I think so. I think the reason that the engine or that they're so infamous for their engine is uh, mostly because they, like you said, they haven't tried to come away from it i think nowadays they'll be able to you know hire some really talented guys to engineer something for them it's not like they'll be using the same people who created this awful engine that they're, they're still using um so yeah i have i have every faith that you know if they, if they need to create a new engine they'll find someone with the know-how to do that and now they're working with xbox i'm sure that will just help help that as well so yeah i, I think starfield i think that my only thing with starfield in particular is i you know they, they've announced it as if people should care about it but they announced it so early that no one actually knows anything about it that now you know it, it's an it's kind of like an old name um right. so i think that any hype for me personally for starfield has died down even you know if i see it i don't really know what there could be that is going to revitalize that but uh, any future fallout games elder scrolls games will look great in a new engine and um so yeah i'm really uh sort of looking forward to seeing what comes out of there yeah uh same here I, i'm really hoping that xbox kind of forces them to uh, maybe take their time or delay. You know, Xbox is no Microsoft. They're not uh, afraid to delay even their huge flagship with the 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 series coming out. They they delayed uh, Infinite, Halo Infinite, and so they that was an e easy decision to make. So I think that kind of control a little right. bit will force Bethesda to if the next Fallout's not ready, push it. You know, the next uh, Starfield is not ready to push it further. So I'm hoping that that's or they have yeah. enough QA testers they can also throw at them to just like help with that whole process. Yeah, I mean, it gives them sort of room, Bethesda room to take risks and, you know, have some financial backing to fall back on if need be. I mean, I'm sure, I, I know that Zenimax 
um, had lots of money anyway. But right. I think everyone would agree that Bethesda were kind of on a very, very steep decline, basically into a complete dead end. You know, there didn't really seem to be any way out of this decline they were on. Um, so I think, you know, like we said last week, it's brilliant that they've been acquired by someone like Xbox with such brilliant capital and such great, you know, such a great foothold in, in this industry. Um, and I think the main positive to take from that is that, you know, Bethesda will be well looked after and they'll be, they'll have to, you know, reach a certain level of quality now being an Xbox game studio. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, since we're talking about Bethesda this week, I got to play, uh, Doom Eternal, which I played before, but, uh, played it on a 120 frame monitor or a TV that I didn't realize oh, had yeah, that ability. Yeah. And yeah. man, it's dope. That's the, that's for sure is the future. <laughs> it looks just buttery smooth and oh, man, it's just so beautiful where I just don't want to go back to yeah. any other game. So I've been testing out all the different ones on my PC control has been the most issue, just like yeah. getting it to work all the way, although it has the whole ray tracing thing. And so with ray tracing all the way up, mm -hmm. getting the frames to be any faster, at least for my rig is yeah. super taxing. But um, which also it's another topic, but that makes me a little worried about going forward with next gen. Every console is claiming, at least with the Series X, with the PS5, they're claiming 60 frame per second. Ray tracing is on, but ray tracing is still so demanding on hardware. I wonder if we're going to actually mm -hmm. see some stuff like drawed back to 30 frames per second to see the ray tracing or some kind of, you know, stuff behind the scenes helping it out because it's still no joke. Like I've seen uh, Digital Foundry did a great mm -hmm. breakdown yeah. of the whole 30 card series, the RTX 30 series. And they showed, uh, I want to say it was a Metro Exodus playing, and it still has a hard time hitting everything with with ray tracing fully mm -hmm. turned up. It's it, it runs great, but it's still like, you can tell it's really taxing on it. And with these new yeah. consoles, do they have that level of that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. graphical ability with their, with their cards or yeah. is it something else? So I'm just kind of wondering mm -hmm. if we're going to get some kind of some, some shock a little bit. We've had that PR, you know, uh, promotion recently with, you know, RTX and, and games running at 60 frames per second for next gen. But I wonder if the reality will be a little bit scaled down. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, the only sort of the majority of the ray tracing we're exposed to is through RTX, um, which is obviously NVIDIA's ray tracing technology. Um, whereas uh, I think both consoles are using the AMD RDNA2 or whatever mm. architecture it is. So it'll be in the AMD's ray tracing technology. Um, plus, um, you know, it's important to remember that these consoles are single purpose sort of machines that are engineered for sure. one one purpose only um so i think perhaps it, it, it you know we may see some performance modes or some optional uh ways to play on um certain games just to make sure that you know we can still play high frame rates still have access to ray tracing but it might be you know maybe 30 uh 40 fps or, or maybe 60 on lower res um but i think that the, the main problem is that a lot of the time where we're talking about, oh, the PS5 can only do 60 FPS or the Xbox Series X can only do 60 FPS or whatever. That's always using 4K as that uh, sort of um, comparison. You know, every time it's like you see an article of a headline like Assassin's Creed Valhalla only running at 30 FPS on Xbox Series X or whatever, or PS5 or whatever. And then you click on it and it's, and it's at 4K. You know, no one's talking about 1080p, 1440p. I mean, 1080p by far is what everyone will be playing on um, or most people will be playing on because, you know, people still have 1080p TVs. They still have um, 
1080p monitors, um, especially in the monitor space. Um, so I just don't think we need to worry too much because all of these benchmarks are at very high resolutions. Um, and I think at 1080p or 1440p, I'm sure we'll be able to get ray tracing and decent frames uh, together. So, but again, it's all hypothetical and we'll have to to wait and see and, and sort of see what happens there. Yeah, that's a great point. That's why I like to like to throw this stuff at you because yeah, that's a it's a race and it's a kind of a sticker word to use 4K or even I think when these <clears throat> consoles originally were being advertised, uh, at least on the Xboxes end, they're saying like, oh, we can actually achieve 8K. It's like settle down, let's hold on and 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 yeah, get there slowly yeah. because 8K is nuts. 4K is still like you mentioned, super taxing, and 1080 is the majority of people are going to yeah. be playing. And 1080 gets you ray tracing turned on, it gets you higher frame rates. So let's kind of mm -hmm. slow get it out of the gate but everyone's in such a race to i think they just want to have that logo on the box 4k 8k when in reality it's just not it's it's hard to pull off and a lot of people don't even have that you know ability yeah. to, to 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 play that on their on their tvs on their monitors so yeah it's kind of a and in the pc world yeah. it's not something everyone really you know that's not the benchmark really it's 1080 right now because it's still the hardware yeah, exactly, can't handle yeah. going to 4k but um that does remind yeah, me and, there's a lot of I mean, great tech Oh, go no, ahead. Carry on. Uh, there's a lot of great tech. I was going to say, on... you know, most us. Uh, I think there's a bit of a delay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, go, so. you go, you go, you go. Okay, okay. So it was just a little bit about there's great tech on upscaling, on taking um, frame rate or not frame rates, taking rendering from 1080 to 4K and making it look like it is there. And so I think they can just do that mm -hmm. for the for the time being, just make it look technically 4K, but really it's we're running on it. There's a there's a word for that that tech. Digital Foundry always goes into detail on it, but that tech is really great right now. We're just yeah. kind of upscaling it, so just keep doing that until it's like full blown mm -hmm. 4K. But what were you saying? Um, I was just, yeah, I was just gonna say you know if because 4K TVs are obviously very uh, popular now, uh, not again. It's, it's important to sort of look at 4K TVs and then monitors as well, because some people play on monitors, some people play on TVs. And I think the people who play on monitors, I think 1080p, 60 hertz, maybe, you know, 120 hertz is more the norm now, but 1080p is definitely uh, the norm with monitors. And TVs, 4K might be uh, creeping up, but most of these 4K TVs are 60 hertz. You know, you saying you had your 120 hertz TV, but they're not very popular. They're not really very very hurt you know they're not really heard of or talked about because mm -hmm. most of the time tvs are obviously used for gaming more and more but they're more for watching films or um you know watching television so the, the 60 hertz is normally perfect for that um so you're not going to be able to see above 60 fps at 4k anyway if you do happen to have a 4k tv um and even if you do have a 4k tv or a 4k monitor they can do 144 hertz um I can't even think of a PC that costs under £2,000 that can run games at 4K, really high, you know, still really great settings um, at over 60 FPS or maybe over 80 FPS anyway. It's just not, like like we're saying, it's not the, it's, that's not what we're aiming for. It, it's just misconstrued in social media with all the stupid discussions and all the reply threads and all the people trying to get clicks on their articles. It's not, you know, I, I've spent probably over a thousand pounds my pc in in total of all the parts in it and you know i was playing assassin's creed origins at 1440p and even with some things slightly under ultra i still you know struggled to get 80 90 fps at 40 at 1440p and that's an old uh, an older game yeah um so yeah I, I just don't i just think the conversation's very much dictated by 
people just who just are in love with numbers it's the same thing with teraflops i mean if if it wasn't for social media we wouldn't even know what teraflops were because they're just right. so it's just not a thing you can compare it's not a thing you can just judge something's power on there's so many more things to it that i don't understand but i at least know that it is more complicated than it seems and so yeah i, I just starting to get bored of all the articles talking about how many frames this is going to run at because it's just dependent on the game um and yeah it's just uh a, a sort of a moot point in a lot of respects uh, sort of these conversations they all end up being dead ends yeah it's buzzwords especially when they're trying to sell these consoles we're going to get a lot of these buzzwords and then you know the reality will set in but yeah it's an interesting topic it's just something that, yeah. I, that I think about as we go forward with you know yeah. all the different things are thrown at us it's yeah. like okay can we actually achieve that and it almost shoots them in the foot yeah. when people when you can't achieve those buzzwords that are thrown around so it's but they're trying to yeah. sell it at the same time yeah. and give people a reason to adopt to this new tech so it's a whole thing, but mm. um, it almost hurts the devs because yeah. it's like, hey, we can't do that, man. You keep saying that it's possible on this next <laughs> yeah, console, right, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. all thing. Yeah. Well, Cal, we can get into some of the news here. Uh, we got uh, some news on Cyberpunk, so we're actually super close to Cyberpunk. And in light of that, we got some news on some just more crunch stuff and from coming out of CD Projekt Red. So this is Cyberpunk 2077 Studio head responds to mandatory crunch reports. This is Jordan Allman of IGN. CD Projekt Red head of studio Adam Badowski has responded to a Bloomberg report about mandatory crunch at the studio, saying the move was one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, but noting that Cyberpunk 2077's developers will be well compensated for every extra, for every extra hour they put in. This follows a report yesterday, which contained an email from Badowski sent to CD Projekt Red staff. The reported email says that the studio will be enacting mandatory six-day work weeks in the run-up to Cyberpunk 2077's November release after, quote, extending all other possible means of navigating the situation. CD Projekt Red had previously promised its employees that they wouldn't be forced to crunch on a game on the game in an interview with Kotaku in 2019. Badowski issued a statement in response to Bloomberg's reporting on Twitter. These last six weeks are our final sprint on a project we spent much of our lives on, something we care about deeply. The majority of the team understands the push. Badowski's statement reads, uh, how do you feel about this in the news? I mean, crunch is such a complicated, complicated topic, but it's kind of, uh, you know, we go over back and forth. It's especially with this game and it's constant with other games where the last bit, the last month is super crunch time. And it seems like they're not able to, to avoid that as well. Uh, yeah, I, I I think if there are people there that are having their lives sort of negatively affected uh, by it and they don't have anything that they can do about it, then obviously that's not good. But I think making something like Cyberpunk, you know, it, it is a huge part of people's lives, like you said. And I think if you're going to work in an industry where you're making these kinds of projects, I think, you know, there's so much passion I mean, so there's so much passion sort of that you have to have to even get in the door, mm -hmm. uh, at, especially at big, big companies like that. Um, so I feel like if you're passionate and, you know, you want this to do well, I think that it's just it's just something that, you know, is, is necessary, especially for, like, like you're saying, the final sprint on a project. It's not un it's not uh, sort of a strange thing across any other industry. I mean, it's same with any industry that has big projects to work on i mean look at hospitality uh, i mean i used to work as a manager at a hotel and i used to do like 80 hour week sometimes seven days a week and that there's no big outcry on the meat in the media about any of that or anything um and that's forced that's not you, know, you don't have a choice 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it, like you're saying, it's a really hard one because I can see both sides. I don't think it's right that anybody should be forced to do something against their will um, that's outside of their contract or anything. But but also, I think it's a very niche industry to work in. And I think that um, unless it's because of bad you know, production or bad time management or bad organization, um, I just think it's it's part and parcel of sometimes making these huge, pretty much quadruple A now uh, games. Um, and, you know, it says they're all going to be compensated for every extra hour they put in. Um, I've already, I've seen things saying, you know, people are looking at this from a US labor laws perspective or a UK labor laws perspective and Poland have their own labor laws, which are apparently very, very right. um, generous. Um, cause you've got to remember CD project red are a Polish studio. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, I don't really know what, what, what I, my actual opinion would be on it because again, I can see both sides and I think both have fair points. I think it's just a difficult, a very difficult one, but I do think that the games industry is not the only industry that has crunch like this. And I think sometimes to create something special in a timely manner to, you know, please your consumers. I think that that is sometimes just necessary. Um, and yeah, I think that the people crunching will be compensated very well. Um, and yeah, um, it's, it's just one of those, one of those things. I'd be, I'd be interested to see if cyberpunk receives as much, uh, you know, hate as last of us two did from this because last of us two was, uh, received a whole storm of, uh, negativity simply because of crunch. Um, so right. it'd be interesting to see if cyberpunk, um, will receive something of the same ilk because you normally see project red mentioned in conversations about studios that don't crunch or that you know aren't predatory they don't release dlc uh for or they don't have microtransactions or anything so it'd be really interesting to see how people uh sort of respond to this yeah you're right and there's so many different directions to go in uh in reference to naughty dog yeah they had uh, it was kind of an expose talking about how there was uh, a lot of uh, of a crunch culture there and uh there, i think that was part of that negative backlash when that was kind of exposed with you're right with the uh, with cd project red they've claimed at least in 2019 there was that reference that they're trying to avoid crunch altogether with this game and the reality is they, they couldn't avoid it um i wonder so there's a couple of things to break down um there's this great tweet and i, I wish i could pull it up in time to actually reference it but they were talking about how in Poland, they have um, these labor laws that are actually in favor of of employees, but uh, because they also have these contracting uh, regulations where you can kind of hire someone as a con contractor and not an employee, and so you're kind of you can you can void all that and have these different setups for a contractor. And a lot of times they'll do that for for even if you're an employee, they'll hire as your contractor, and you don't have that restrictions on those same restrictions on the mm -hmm. amount of hours you work. There's that aspect of it, and also the ten percent that they're supposed to. The employees are probably going to get ten percent of the back end as some kind of compensation or extra compensation, but that might only apply to 2020. And the game obviously is on the edge of 2020, releasing into 2021, so they might not receive a lot of that. Is what they're claiming. Part of that ten percent extra is also if you commit to the team, if you actually see it through release. So if you were to quit because of the crunch, you don't get that. Also, your name isn't in the credits. You're not able to use that on your resume that you're working. Working for CD Projekt Red, even though apparently if it was for so long, if you quit before that game actually releases, they just, they were kind of remove you and don't let you use it as a reference anymore. So it's, it gets a bit more complicated. 
at the same time, it's like, obviously at the face of it, crunch is bad, right? Across the board, nobody likes crunch and nobody approves of it. But it's it's this gray topic where this stuff is super complicated to make and it takes so much time and you can say, okay, just delay the game. But that just means the crunch extends. So they just have what, two more months of crunch. And so that doesn't end either. You can try and throw more people at it, but that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to solve the problem either. This game has a huge budget, so it's not a money issue. So it's almost just like the... You can't say it's just part of the of the deal of, of the gaming uh, industry, but at the same time, they just haven't had an answer for it. And I don't know what no, I don't know what that answer would be because you have passionate people that even if you have mm-hmm. across the board people that will take the time off, you have other people who it's like, well, I want I I'm putting my 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 soul into this game. I want to put as much time as I can. So it's this weird, you know, thing that's it's it's two different, four different topics at the same time, four different feelings at the same time, and there's there's no answer for it. I wish we could eliminate crunch at the same time. I don't know how you do that, and it's something that it should still be brought up. It should still be there. Sh- there should still be attention to it. It should still be a negative thing, I guess, when we talk about it. At the same time, no industry or no um, developer has been able to avoid it at least on this scale and i think it becomes really common when it's this triple a quadruple a level it's insanely hard to avoid crunch altogether yeah yeah and i think sort of going back to that tweet uh you know that was sort of dissecting the the polish labor laws and everything i think i think if you were to focus yourself on any law system or any you know rules or or tribulations you know in any country I think you'd be able to find tons and tons of, you know, loopholes like the ones that were mentioned in that tweet. But I just don't, you know, that's kind of putting a negative skew on. I mean, I'm not saying it's not negative in the first place, but it's putting a further negative skew on to something that's kind of hypothetical because that's just that's somebody looking at the, the labor laws and saying, well, they could do this. You know, they could hire people like this and they could um not give people money by doing this or by uh, using this loophole or whatever but that's not something cd project red have been shown to to be doing or to you know they haven't said they're going to do that there's no evidence they are doing that um so i think that that's i think sometimes people are just trying to instead of digging into something and saying well you know maybe this or this that they're, they're sort of trying to find the negatives and trying to make it and and the problem is especially with social media is people will see that they'll see that tweet and they'll then say oh cd project red are doing this they'll do that they're doing all this and i think whilst it is interesting to know that about all of that and it does definitely give you some more insight into you know what people might do and what it could obviously happen in this situation i just don't think it's worth um that person in particular or or, or anything sort of just diving into that because it, it it just paints them in a bad light when it's all hypothetical at that stage. Very true. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's what they're doing. It's just more no, no, of that's no. that is possible. And you're right. It's 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 super important yeah. to not get it twisted and make that the reality. Uh, I guess we won't know until we're you know unless we're in deep into CD Projekt Red and and within yeah. the team. Um, I, I'm sure that stuff that information is super hard to actually come to light. But uh, it just presents like okay when yeah. people do say oh they're going to be compensated and they're they're they actually have a control on their on their labor laws. It's like okay well it's mm-hmm. yeah but it's also possible that they're they're not because of these issues yeah. uh yeah it's super complex sure. and um i don't know how you get over it how you change it it's something that's deep within the industry i mean i was listening to this uh, interview with uh so john carmack the original developer on doom 
And uh, he was talking about how they would spend just just endless hours and they kind of chose to do that. So there was this just deep ingrained, at least on this level with these uh, within the industry where it's just you put your your heart and soul into it. And it's uh, both a negative and a positive where it weeds out people that they want to also have a normal life, but they still care about this this property and you're caught in the middle. It's tough, man. Um, it's, I think it's fair that you can still enjoy the thing. And I guess that's how you, it comes down to a personal level. Can you enjoy the thing and still understand that there was this sacrifice being made? If, if anything, it makes me respect games more because I realize that these are toys mm -hmm. that people spend their entire lives, sometimes wreck their lives possibly working on. So it just makes me respect mm -hmm. the the actual art when it comes out to it. I don't want that kind of sacrifice that, that blood and sweat to have to go into these games, but I do uh, respect mm -hmm. the fact that they have put that into these games. And uh, I try and keep that mm -hmm. in the back of my yeah. mind before I'm just like shitting on something. I mean, I will still shit on stuff for sure. We will always will, but at the same time, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these course, are made yeah. by people and they have to, they're not seeing their family. Sometimes they're not getting, getting compensated fairly sometimes. And it's all for our enjoyment. So it's just this can of worms that I don't know if we'll ever avoid in the gaming industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to sort of use like what aboutism or anything, but again, you know, all these people that like your Jason Schreier's or, you know, all these people at Kentucky who are so set on exposing uh, crunch and, you know, six day work weeks, um, which again, that doesn't sound like you know, six, six day work weeks for me, for someone who's worked in, in hotels and pubs and bars that, you know, that that's not, out of the norm you know people if people like jason schreier bet he goes to restaurants and bars and that, that doesn't even cross his mind and i'm again i'm not saying because you can be can you can sort of choose one to to sort of campaign about i'm not saying that, that anything about that but i just think that if you focus too hard on something in such a negative light it sort of I, I just don't know. I, I, I just like to see the same energy used against people who work in hospitality because every single person I know who's worked in a bar or a pub have worked seven days a week. And this is far worse than, you know, nine to five, nine to six office hours. This is like, you know, 7.30 in the morning till midnight, just, yep. you know, six days a week. That That's that's a completely normal thing in, you know, hotel work or pub work. Um, so I just don't know why that doesn't get the same sort of energy. And, and I mean, game developers are paid far better than people who work in those industries as well. So, and it's physical um, labor I just think too. There needs to, yep. And I just think there needs to be a perspective on, on these kinds of things. Um, and again, you know, crunch, like you said, is not good. It, you know, it can't be good. Um, but I think when you look at the specific industry it's in, um, I, I just don't think it can necessarily be avoided as easily as, just complaining about it and making YouTube videos about it going, Oh, crunch is really bad. And the games industry is awful. And it's like, but it's not that easy. You know, it's easy right. to just try about it and, and try and act like a, a you know, a, a hero by uh, sticking up for all these poor, poor employees who are probably getting paid lots and lots of money. Um, when, you know, there's lots of other things that these people seem to not care so much about, but. No, yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you on that. Uh, there's, I do want to see just more nuance when it comes to this topic because it is such a just mm. deep and complicated topic and it's not just like it's good, it's bad. There's all this stuff going on. So I, I do want to see more of that. And you're right where there's these high-profile um, interviewers yeah. and journalists that kind of will pick a lane and no matter what, like that's their perspective, but it's just, it's it's deeper. 
And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I want to see more of that conversated and also get some devs to just like be super honest about the process and maybe, but it's, it's almost yeah. like you don't get those stories until they're out of at least that almost the industry because they don't want to get blacklisted and looked at negatively yeah. if they do talk about it. So it's like, you have to wait yeah. years before you get the actual inside scoop. But yeah, I do want to understand yeah. more from the, from the devs uh, perspective in the future. Yeah. But I mean, I think you, 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 you sort of put it well, you know, with the single lane kind of mentality. It's like, and I don't mean to pick on him, but, you know, using Jason Schreier again, who wrote that expose on, um, I think it was 2K or Gearbox, who did Borderlands 3 about something to do with profit sharing or something. And, and he had written this big thing. And loads and loads of developers from Gearbox had come out, I think it was on Reddit or something, you know, saying we you know we didn't feel this way at all it, it was it was explained much better than it was made out in the article mm. you know none of us or no one that they knew of felt that way um so this is what i mean i mean people like these writers or youtubers are using their own emotions to speak on behalf of others um and sure there's going to be people at these studios who are like oh i hate crunch it's awful it's affecting my life and you know i can't quit because and and of course that's awful but I think there has to be both perspectives or both lanes uh, sort of explored because it's just, it's never that black and white. And right. um, yeah, that it, and, that, and that's why I sort of don't like to try and form like a a concrete opinion on it because I'm just not smart enough to factor everything in and, 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 and think about that. <laughs> oh yeah, we're both just talking out of our asses, you know, but we're just giving some, <laughs> some oh, yeah. perspective from two dummies, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's super, super complex. I'm sure we'll be talking about this, you know, in the upcom upcoming months and years about mm -hmm. crunch in general, but, uh, yeah, found that interesting. And I, I overall still cannot wait for cyberpunk. Uh, I have my PC ready. Yeah. Um, I'll probably go there first for trying to play on whether it's console or PC, probably mm -hmm. go PC first, but yeah, cannot wait for that game. Um, so stoked. Yeah. So yeah, we'll move on to our next one here. Calm. This is Xbox news, but I think it's just interesting to get some kind of comparison to, uh, what moves PS5 will do, what they have in response to this. So this is uh, Xbox first party games are not going to other consoles. So this is, uh, news editor Giuseppe Nelva of Twinfinite.net. So this is an interview they had with Aaron Greenberg, who is the, uh, let's see if I have that correct, the games marketing manager over at Xbox. So the interviewer asks, uh, just a few days ago, Microsoft representative was cited mentioning that there are no plans for more first-party games on other platforms. Is that correct? And Eric Greenberg chimes in, yes, this is what we said because it's very specific. We more than doubled our studios over the past year, and as the new studios are transitioning, some of them had existing arrangements to publish games across multiple devices, that is, i.e. Deathloop, uh, for one example. But going forward, these new studios will focus on making games for our platforms, and we have no plans to further expand our exclusive first-party games to other consoles. So this just brings to light uh, more uh, news about what we talked about last week, where will we still get, you know, these PS5 versions of games that Bethesda owns? Will we get the next uh, Starfield, next, you know, uh, Oblivion entry? Uh, but it looks like we're not officially. How do you feel about them actually holding on to these properties on the Xbox side? Well, I don't know, because I've heard different things, for, you know, from Bethesda. When Bethesda asked about it, they said that we're still you know because bethesda have a publishing department right. and bethesda said that we're still making our own games and everything um it's more like a, a yeah and i think he this is worded you know quite cleverly because he said we have no plans to further expand our exclusive first party games so he's basically just saying our exclusive xbox games which is obviously right like 
if it's ex- if it's exclusive to Xbox, then it's not coming to another console. So if he had said we have no plans to further expand our first party games, then that would be a different story. But he said exclusive first, which, you know, is straight away the word that means it's not coming to other consoles. So whilst games like um, Fallout or Elder Scrolls or Starfield will inherently be a first party game because it's owned now by Xbox, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an exclusive first-party game, uh, if, if that makes sense. Um, and, yeah, I, I I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure, but I can't imagine the new Elder Scrolls or Starfield or any of that to be exclusive to Xbox. I just don't see that being financially viable for Bethesda or for Xbox. I just don't see that making any sense really especially considering they're going to be coming to game pass yeah um they're going to want people to be spending full price on these on these games and with the the install base that the ps5 is going to have um they would be foolish not to um but i'm sure there's going to be tons and tons of bit of bethesda games that are going to be exclusive first party titles i'm sure and and that's i think that's the thing you know we don't need to people don't need to you know, PlayStation fanboys or whatever don't need to be like, oh yeah, well, Elder Scrolls are still coming to PS5 because there there could be a whole, you know, plethora of unannounced games from Bethesda Studios that are going to be Xbox exclusive um, that we don't even know about yet. So yeah, um, yeah I, I I don't I I don't think Elder Scrolls or Fallout or Starfield will be exclusive to Xbox. Personally, I could be completely wrong, and I don't think this uh, statement disproves that just because of him saying we have no plans to expand our exclusive first party games because again it's very cleverly worded very pr well trained in pr to make sure he's uh saying very exact things um but uh yeah that's what i think and i'm sure i'm probably wrong (laughs) (laughs) well i I share the same uh similar ideas where financially i don't think it makes sense for them to lock these games to the system because they want to try and make some of that money back right that 7.5 billion they spent so some of that is getting other consoles to pay the full retail price while giving a cut back to their xbox users and having it you know free on game pass first on game pass so it's it's tough, but um, I wonder if maybe there will be some uh, disagreement within Bethesda's uh, publishing side, saying they they actually want to put it on PS5. But I imagine they they already nailed those deals beforehand before they made this uh, arrangement. So I'm sure they've already yeah. talked about this. Does that mean that maybe will the actual reality will be it'll be first on Game Pass, maybe on on Xbox timed exclusive for like a year, then we get these titles out, uh, similar to how you know PlayStation's handled mm-hmm. PlayStation has handled like PC uh, ports with some of their games. I wonder what the details are. This mm-hmm. this quote does make me think that it does lean more towards because Bethesda is their first party now that they're saying like, hey, this is only going to be for us. Although they do word it well, where that gives them wiggle room, where they say we have no plans. But of course, that just means that no, nothing announced yet that in the future, actually, it is going to go to PS5. It's, it's interesting. Uh, there's part of me that wants Xbox to make these moves because if it was the other way around, I think PlayStation would hold on to these these exclusives with a death grip. They'd hold on, on to Bethesda and not allow them to venture out because that's what they've been doing and that's why they're so successful holding on to these first parties and having a reason to buy a PS5. I Part of me wants Xbox to make those moves just to as a way to to compete with PlayStation to give them something to react as well, but also to just kind of strengthen that console race going forward. If it just goes everywhere, then there's just less of a reason to go to Xbox. Although you still have Game Pass, it's going to be a great deal. You're going to get these games there. If not first, you're going to get them to within that that Game Pass uh, um, menu of games. 
So it, it's interesting, but um, I mean, time will tell. But you're right that it doesn't make the right the the, the yeah. financial sense to actually limit these games to yeah. to their console. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think again, just to sort of double down on you know his wording, because if he had said we have no plans to further expand our first party games to other consoles, then that would for sure make me think, oh, maybe they're not going to come to PS5. But the fact he put exclusive first is very, very specific. Like mm. that's that's basically him saying any game that will be exclusive to Xbox will not come to PS5. And that's like a literally like... Yeah, it's just like a loop. Isn't it? Yeah. It, it just, yeah, exactly. And so I think that word exclusive is very, very clever cleverly placed um but i think even if elder scrolls come to ps5 and fallout comes to ps5 just the fact it's going to be on game pass is a huge advantage because i mean now that these games are owned by xbox and they're coming to game pass i will not be getting them on ps5 because i can either pay 70 pounds to get them on ps5 or i can get them for 6.99 a month through game pass as well as all the other games on there um so i don't think they have to be exclusive to xbox to have an advantage i think that advantage is now there forever because game pass is such an insane deal and these games are going to benefit from that um so and and you know that there i'm sure there are lots and lots of people who have pcs and ps5 so that they can get both exclusives um and it's going to be the same for all those people they're going to choose to get if a game's on game pass or ps5 and it came out that one day they're going to get it on game pass every time because it's either 70 pounds or Six ninety nine a month, unless you're a really sad and pathetic trophy hunter like I am, uh, <laughs> and you want to get the platinum trophy, then that might be a bit be a different story. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be missing out on those haptic, you know, triggers and feedback. So it's like that's that's worth the price tag, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, time will tell with this kind of thing because I think the reality is it's going to get a bit murky as you know we go forward, and it's like, hey, we're leaving all this money on the table. I, I think that's that's the reality of it, but. We will see. I found that interesting in the news recently. Yeah. Um, so, Callum, as well as uh, another interesting thing, we finally get some PS5, PS4 comparison for Spider-Man Remastered. So there's this footage, and I gave you a link there. I was going to kind of scrub through it. If you want to let me know if you have it ready to play, then we can watch it in real yeah, time I got it. with the power of the internet. So I'm going to hit play right now and switch over to it. So, yeah, it's interesting to get actual comparison footage of of this remaster uh, working in play. And so the big takeaway is the whole 60 frame per second, which is as at first we're starting off with PS4 gameplay. And, and w one thing I, I took away from watching this last night was uh, it still looks amazing on PS4. Damn, this game looks awesome. Yeah. But on PS5, yeah. of course, with that frame rate, yeah. it looks just buttery smooth. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I haven't, I haven't watched this yet, but I saw some of the screenshots. Um, and I think obviously it looks great and they've done a huge amount of work to it, but, the I don't know if you saw the the new character model for Peter Parker is just. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I, I I just I just don't I just have no idea why they did that. I have no <laughs> clue why that that has happened because um, I mean I'm a huge huge Spider Man fan, but my favorite thing about Sp or my favorite Spider Man stories always come from when Peter Parker's a little bit older, mm. um, and in you know the setting of the ps4 game he's what eight years into being spider-man something like that yeah um yeah so he must be what like in his mid-20s right um and the new model uh and before i even say anything the original model was perfect and peter, the peter parker from the game was one of my favorite things about the game uh like when he's not in the suit 
um, but just because they had really, they'd finally had like a mature Peter who sort of, you know, he knows what he's doing. And yeah, this one just looks like, like a, you know, an 18 year old kid again or, or however old. Um, and it just, it just isn't going to make any sense. You know, this guy's going to show up to teach Miles Morales. He, he, they, he looks like younger than him. Um, he's meant to be doing it for eight years. Right. Like, what was he, 10 when he first started being inspired? <laughs> it's just, and and it's just the fact that it's already, it was already established. Like, it's already there. And if this is the reason that, um, yeah, there it is. <laughs> and if this is the reason that they're now charging you because they've done this much extra work, then I just wish they had just not bothered. Um, because, yeah, it, it's um, it's just a bizarre choice for me and yeah i'm not sure why it's happened yeah because he does look younger i think that was the main focus so their original announcement was that they needed to find a better uh, actual model to be to use that cg reference with the voice actor so one that matches matched his face more accurately but they went consciously with like a younger model of peter parker so yeah, it's it's all the same things you hit where he's supposed to be older, so they nailed it with that first model, but then he's now at least like 5 years he looks younger in this one. Uh, it's it's a bit yeah. strange. I guess at the when it, when it's all said and done, I don't care at, at that much. It's like, okay, you know, I, I guess I'll just get used to this guy and and it's fine. It's been a while since I played it, mm -hmm. so maybe I could try and scrub it from my memory. It's just such a kind of strange decision to change it for in any way. Like they should just kept the ball rolling, but apparently they needed to to make those adjustments, but I just don't see if it was really needed. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like recasting a character in the second series of like a series you love because, you know, I, I loved the story in Spider-Man. It was one of the yeah. real highlights of the game and I didn't think it was going to be. And, and especially the ending, which I won't spoil um, just in case, but it was so, it was really like just well done and really like emotional and really sort of, just a really really great great sort of well executed so to now play miles morales or even play through it again to see that same really personal scene but with a different person it's just i don't know i kind of feel obliged to play it again now which i don't want to do but i now feel like i have to because i now need to have this canonical peter parker before i jump into miles morales mm. um uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really bizarre choice. I have no idea, you know, why they felt they had to do that. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm I'm personally not uh, pleased with it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to yeah, rub yeah. A, a lot of people the wrong way. And uh, myself, you know, it's not the, a deal breaker for me, but it's just more like, hey, why did you do this? But they have their, at yeah, least. Yeah, exactly, yeah. On paper, they have their reason why. But um, aside from the, the weird change in the model for Peter Parker, uh, just seeing these two in comparison, are you more, you know, interested in playing this on PS5, seeing the new, it seems like they're doing the, they're showing the ray tracing tech with the reflections, which look nuts. Although that could be, so kudos to Insomniac, yeah. they did a really great job with reflections already in the game. Um, so I don't know if that, this is yeah. full-blown ray tracing, they're just, they're just uh, tweaking it, but this game is, does have mm -hmm. official ray tracing support. So apparently that's happening for sure. But mm -hmm. it just seemed like in the actual gameplay, I wasn't seeing that yet, but we'll actually have to, and wait for Digital Foundry to like fully test it out. But I mean, it looks nuts and yeah. I'm surprised that I was okay with it at 30. That's the thing. It's like, I'm, I was cool with it at 30 frames per second. At 60, it just looks even better. 
but I think I can, there's games where I can go either way, but um, I'm not going to be mad at this 60 frame per second mode. It just looks even more awesome. You see all the animations in his body when he's swinging around, they're just way more mm -hmm. fluid. And yeah, I cannot wait to pick this up. Yeah. Well, I think this is the thing as well with um, frame rates is you don't, you, you don't notice unless it's really choppy and it's con and it's like constantly changing. So if it's going from like 30 to 20 to 30 to 20 constantly, that's when you really, really notice it. But if it's a steady frame rate of at least that, you won't realize because unless you've literally just been playing a game at 140 FPS or something ridiculous and then you've gone straight to something like that, you might. Or if they're running side by side, you definitely will. Um, but you just won't you won't realize if if it's a good steady frame rate then it'll be fine it's like persona 5 royal is one of the most fluid looking games i've ever played especially with how the hud moves and everything and that runs at 30 fps i mean i don't even have a ps4 pro and i remember at the time i was playing halo reach um, at 140 fps at a higher res as well on my pc um and obviously at the time i was like oh this is super smooth but then i'd go and play persona 5 royal on my ps4 and i wouldn't even notice the difference i know they're very different games but i just think people just concentrate too much on this thing and whilst it, a higher frame rate is of course better um you know people don't need to be so like oh you're playing that at 30 frames second how can you do that you know right. that kind of thing um because like you said Sp spider-man is awesome it still is awesome on ps4 and i'm sure miles morales will look awesome on ps4 and um but it's nice to see this become the norm for you know pe people who just have consoles or or anything it's going to be really really cool um but in, in response to your question about whether or not i'm more likely to get it now um in a weird way despite hating the new character model that's made me want to play it more than i did because i feel obliged to now experience this new peter parker mm. um so it's kind of a weird catch-22 there but i don't think i will play it um just because it's as much as i love it i think the gameplay loop itself is quite it gets very samey you know it's not it's nothing you know um groundbreaking and whilst I didn't mind it the first time, we got a nice shot of Doc Ock's crotch there. Um, and <laughs> In while, 4K. While, uh, whilst I, <laughs> yeah, whilst I enjoyed it at the time, I just don't think that's something I'd want to do again. Um, so yeah, I probably won't do it. But yeah, that Peter Parker thing is going to really, um, really annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, and and they made that move, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it's actually yeah. coming out pretty soon. Yeah. We'll actually, hopefully, get to get in our hands and try it out. Uh, now this game, Callum, this next yeah. one drops uh, tonight, today, technically tomorrow. This is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. So I pulled some of the Metacritic uh, mm -hmm. and it's actually getting great reviews. I was sort of nervous about this because none of the reviews, the embargo didn't lift until uh, today. So I just found it interesting. Usually when it gets down to the wire, that often means it's not looking too good, but the reviews have been super positive. So Destructoid mm -hmm. gives it a nine. PlayStation Lifestyle gives it a nine. GamesRadar Plus gives it a 4.5 out of 5. Game Informer gives it an 8.5. IGN gives it an 8. And then at the bottom end, uh, VG247 gives it a 3 out of 5. Uh, is this on your radar? Do you think you're going to be picking this up? Um, it, it is. I would love to play it, um, but I would have to play the Insane Trilogy all the way through first just because of my weird thing. Why? I have to just play. I don't know. I, I really don't know. And it's even weirder with Crash. Like, I just feel like I'd be a faker if I was to play Crash. 4. No one cares. Man. I, just I have play played the, the original three, but <laughs> no, but I do. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. I. I'll, I'll probably end up playing it. Just. Um. Not right now. I mean, I've got a huge backlog which I'm. Yeah. For sure. Adding onto. 
for no reason. Um, so yeah, it do, it looks awesome. I mean, it looks so good. Um, looks lovely. I, I love you know platforming games like that. I don't think there's enough of them. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll have to see if it can knock Knack off of the top spot. But, uh, <laughs> we'll find out. That's a top spot, man. Yeah, it's tough. They have their their work yeah. ahead of them. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit frustrated with the Insane Trilogy just because uh, they kind of you know, they kept the same like type of gameplay where it's it's pretty brutally hard at points, and I both love it and also was frustrated. Um, but so I, I'm I'm interested to see what they change as far as in the gameplay. Do they make it a bit more accessible? I imagine they still have the super yeah. hard areas. Do they maybe push it to the outer rim? That's kind of the beauty of uh, some of the newer Super Mario games that they would uh, have the harder levels outside of the actual like game so you could still complete it if you wanted to without touching yeah. those levels and you could yeah. choose to jump in i wonder if they'll do something like that or it's baked in but uh this this game looks beautiful too so i can't wait to play for that side of it mm -hmm. as well and um yeah i have no problem just yeah. jumping into this one i did dip into the insane trilogy didn't finish any of them but uh played for a couple hours on each mm -hmm. and um yeah no i'm glad it's getting good reviews and it, it looks like it's gonna yeah. be awesome yeah yeah i think um actually i think it's supposed to be harder than the insane trilogy great um, i was looking at um P power picks who does all the trophy guides and everything um and he well i say he i think it's a you know a, comp a group of people um but yeah they were saying that it's uh yeah apparently the the very last levels are extremely hard especially to do all the time trials and uh. Uh, relics and that um so uh yeah but it does sound like there's a modern or retro play style so i don't know what um what that means huh. um i don't know if it's anything to do with like the d-pad because i know some people like to play with the d-pad or, or or anything like that so um so yeah I, I think actually i might i might give that a down i might download the insane trilogy tonight actually and just uh blast through and not worry about all the collectibles and stuff um and just get through them and then I might pick this up because it does it does look really great i'm just i, I, I was just on the the power picks thing and they had like a video or a trailer or something nice. pop up and it does look pretty nice it's it's also something to say for Activision actually taking the charge and um, allowing these remasters for a lot of their classic games. I mean, they own the Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater franchise, and we have that beautiful remaster recently. And they're, you know, we had Spyro, we had the Insane Trilogy, and so this is a, a new entry. But I love that they're dipping into these properties, and it's stuff like you know Konami. I wish they would get off their ass and uh, allow somebody, if not them, allow somebody else to attack all these properties they're sitting on. And you're seeing Capcom do the same thing. Yeah. So I just want to. I'm hoping this is taking uh, note, or other devs are taking note. Other publisher studios are going, hey, we have all this stuff that we're sitting on. Let's put in some time and and give the people what they want. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really hoping we see more of this going yeah. forward. Yeah, definitely. I, I love, um, you know, remakes and older series sort of having sequels or, or reboots or anything. So yeah, I'm all for that as well. Nice. Yeah. So that came out today or comes out very soon, next couple hours. But uh, I, yeah, can't wait to try that. I think that is the full re retail price, right? I'm, I'm assuming so. I haven't looked into that. That might what, sway. That? Where, where, how much is it? Yeah, I'm wondering if it's the full retail price or or if it's any cheaper because that might sway. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah I feel yeah. if it's a, maybe a bit of a discount, I'm more inclined yeah, to jump that's a good in. Point actually, I don't like spending money. All it is is full <laughs> retail, fifty nine ninety nine over here. It's a little tough, but it's still oh, you know it looks really good. It's just that's <laughs> it slightly. Does. I'm sure it's worth the money. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, fifty nine ninety nine is fifty nine ninety nine. Isn't it? It's a lot of money. Um, so 
Yeah. It's something I think I wouldn't mind waiting on, you know, until there's a deal or something, but mm-hmm. um, still looks awesome. Um, Calvin, yeah. we got our next one, more Xbox news, but this is just once again, to get some comparison to PlayStation five. And this is actually yep. with features that we maybe we'll see unannounced features yet. I want to kind of dig into that. So this is Xbox series X backwards compatibility. Most Xbox one X games run at 60 frames, 60 frames per second in 4k. This is Bo Moore of IGN. Digital Foundry has put the new Xbox Series X to the test, seeing how it runs current-gen games as compared to the Xbox One X. While the Xbox One X often struggled to output games at more than 30 frames per second, the Series X was capable of a smooth 60 frames per second, or whatever the game's frame rate cap is, in almost all the games tested. Keep in mind, these games haven't received any special optimizations for the new console yet either. This frame rate upgrade is being handled by Xbox's smart delivery system with no new update from developers. Also, the ability to swap between titles on the hard drive was tested, and the Series X holding is able to hold six saved game states at a time, allowing you to swap between them and taking about five to eight seconds to swap between each one and continue playing. Game states even persist after you power the console down. So these two features, the quick swap between games, and then also the uh, the way it's natively upgrading the resol- or the uh, frame rate on games, I don't know if... Uh, PS5 has an answer to those yet. So at least with the quick resume, we'll go into that one first. We have that on PS4 where you can jump right back into your save state exactly where you were. But I haven't seen, I've been coming through the internet, I haven't seen them announce the ability to swap between different titles like Xbox yeah. is is uh, yeah. testing now. Um, I wonder if they have a response to that. Do you think that's something they can pull off? Yeah, I think if anything, I think that's something the PlayStation 5 is going to be superior in. Um I mean, mostly because you know, in early days when they were talking about um, uh, what was it they were saying, they were saying that you'll be able to, you know, there's going to be no loading screens, no menus or anything. I think that all um, ties in with things like switching from game to game. It's all about loading up a different state and, and things like that. And I think, you know, PS5 as uh, SSD architecture is, you know, a lot, lot quicker than the architecture that's in the Xbox, um, mm. just in terms of gigabytes a second. So I imagine that if anything, it'll be it'll be just as good um, on PS5, um, but I can't say the same for the um, smart delivery. I think Xbox have definitely taken that route, and I don't think PlayStation Five has. So I don't think we'll see. I think we'll just see pro games running how they run on the pro on the PS5 personally. But I'd like to be proven wrong on that. Yeah, there's one aspect of this. So we had the PS4, then the PS4 Pro, and I own the PS4 Pro. There is a mode that lets you unlock hardware or unlock software abilities on the standard PS4 models where they will take advantage somewhat of the extra, whatever it's RAM or graphical ability. Mm -hmm. But I don't see how that actually, how that transfers over. But they have that mode you can turn on and off on the PS4 uh, Pro, rather. But um, is that mm. is there any of that going on when we switch to PS5? Like it seems like they if they had that ability, they would be they'd be also advertising that as well, where these games will natively yeah. run better. It seems like they don't have that installed yet, or, or part of the the architecture uh, as of yet. Yeah. And I wonder if I keep going back to Xbox's. Um, their their the way they've integrated with PC the past couple of years how it's a lot of their games are available on PC they make sure that they're they're available there as well where you have that PC architecture of 
supporting all these different graphics cards and frame rate abilities. And so because of that, maybe they're able to take advantage of their games now where they just natively talk to the new hardware. So whatever the Xbox, you know, the next uh, Series Z or 5, whatever comes out, it's just going to talk to that hardware just like they've, because they've put in the groundwork and made it more PC friendly. And on the PlayStation side, they haven't done that at all. It's just their own architecture. So, yeah, I wonder if they, because it seems like they're going to have to go and tailor make each PS4 game to work better on PS5. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I think, again, I, I, I don't, I think, like you said, I think Xbox have a certain um, route that allows them to do this, you know, quite easily. Uh, not to mention, you know, Microsoft's history with software being creative windows, I'm sure making sure software is compatible across different versions is a thing that they, you know, have to think about all the time. Um, so I think that unless PlayStation are just holding some cards close to their chest, you know, they have barely talked about the UI or anything so far. Um, it could be just a real last, um, you know, blow up of good, of good news, but yeah, I I just, I just don't know. Um, I just can't imagine it happening. I would have thought they would have said about it already. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I but I mean, I think I've mentioned this before. I haven't, I don't have a PS4 Pro, so playing a PS4 game on a PS5 is going to instantly be a better version for me, anyway. That's true. Um, and also, I'm not inherently expecting, uh, you know, previous gen games to blow me away on the PS5. I'm expecting PS5 games to do that. Um, so I don't mind if they, if they, if they don't run that well at 4K or or whatever. I'm not too worried i mean obviously it'd be nice if they if they did um but you know i'm mostly buying my ps5 to play ps5 games and um just continue what i was already doing on my ps4 um so the fact i can do that um is enough for me but um it is a shame that if they unless they reveal something uh, it's a shame that you know they don't have this same seamless um uh, sort of delivery thing that xbox have yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think that was PlayStation's mantra for a while going with the PS5 is that they're not concerned with the ability to play these older games. It's their focus is PS5 games and unlocking the hardware where the folds are introduced is where they have a lot of games, at least in this window, that are going to have PS4, PS5 versions, whether it's Miles, it's a Horizon that's still not within the window, but they're going to have PS4 support. So then they kind of changed their mantra and allowed for these different models to be introduced at the same time. So although that makes you think that and it must be because it's only those specific games because they intended on a PS4 version, they're going to have that ability to just swap over and, you know, you have just a different level when you're on PS5. But uh, those older games, there's no intention on on upgrading. But at the same, I'm in the same boat where it's like, that doesn't really turn me off. You know, I want PS5 level games when I see, um, oh God, what's that? Demon Souls. When I see Demon Souls running, it's like, I want that. Yeah. I want that level of graphical and, and performance level. I want that yeah. going forward. So that's what I'm interested in. But um, I was going to touch on, so the ability to, the, the quick swap or the multi quick swapping that Xbox has, there's, I wonder if PlayStation's just going to go a different route with it. So I found this quote from Mark Cerny. This is in that one of the first Wired.com uh, interview articles they did talking about the PS5. So he, is, he says, quote, even though it will be fairly fast to boot games, we don't want the player to have to boot the game. See what's up, boot the game, see what's up. Cerny says, a multiplayer game service will provide the console with a set of joinable activities in real time. Single-player games will provide information like what missions you could do and what rewards you might receive for completing them, all of those choices within the visible UI. So I wonder if they're going to have, and we have yet to see the UI. I think that's going to be for sure October. But I wonder if their answer is, 
you don't need to jump into the game, even though it's fast on Xbox, you don't need to jump into the game to see whatever is going on, to see where your progress is, to see what you have yet to unlock. I wonder if their answer is just within the UI showing you games almost running to see like what you have available mm-hmm. and then jumping in. That's not the same as being able to quickly swap between games like Xbox can, at least at the no. moment, but at least yeah. they, it seems like they're taking another route where you have all the information in your UI about each game and makes you not have to, you know, jump into a game versus, uh, but yeah, it's still not an answer to if I want to swap between games quickly, it doesn't seem like they have an answer for that yet, but they have a way to provide all the info immediately for each game without booting it up. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's it's interesting because you have, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, big fans of the Xbox series X who say that, you know, having the choice of a disc drive is really important to them and, and and all the rest of it but if swapping between games so seamlessly is such an important thing for players then why would you want to have disc games because you can't do that with disc games because you have to get up put the disc in uh or take the other one out or whatever so um yeah so i don't know it's it's one of those things it'd be nice um but i just don't think it's i'd much rather be able to turn on my ps5 or my xbox get into a game straight away um and then if i want to play another game you know even on ps4 now sometimes it takes a while to boot a game up but the the you know the the holding down the ps button closing the app and then going on to another game is is just, is really seamless already um so um as much as the quicker the better obviously um i i'm not sure this is something that uh i think it's something quite trivial that either ps5 will just do it and i don't know if it's worth them even saying about it or um you know if they don't do it it's not really going to be much of a uh thing for me um even though i am a digital uh you know all digital sort of uh gamer um i'm not too too worried about that but you know like i said the faster the better and it's it's cool that that is a feature um Hopefully I can have that on my PC. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the articles mentioned, this is something that's not on PS on, on PC architecture yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You brought up a good point where I think this, this stuff is still in uh, early reviewers hands where they get to, they get to talk about how they're testing out this quick swap ability. This is still, I imagine, tied to downloaded games. So unless, and I highly doubt that Xbox would do this, but unless you, even if you have the disc, you fully download the game content onto your console, which a lot of games do anyways now, but you still have to have that disc for security reasons to make sure you're not just like handing it out to a friend and having multiple copies of it. You still have to have that disc running on your system. Are they saying that even if you have the disc version of the game, you download that game and it lets you play it without having that disc in there? If not, that's a pretty crazy ability, but I just highly doubt that they would allow that. Yeah. That lets them lock it down yeah. so multiple people aren't playing the same game. Um, yeah. So that's still going to be dependent on people downloading the game and having it on their system and then being able to quick swap. And we've, I think the reality is a lot of people still gravitate towards having a physical disc, buying it in stores. And so is this a feature that a lot of us, even though you can do it on paper, a lot of people are still not going to be able to do it because they're going to yeah. have the disc version of the game. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think... Um one of the main selling points of having discs still is the fact you can trade them in or sell them to, you know, minimize the cost of whatever other games you buy. Um, but if, if Xbox allowed you to play the game without the disc, that would just nullify that. That would be the whole, um, uh, DRM thing all over again, which Xbox have already tried and it, and it went down horribly. Um, uh, but yeah, it is, it's sort of, I think it's, it's, it's a point that's worth looking at because, 
there's a lot of discussion about you know the digital marketplace being more expensive um discs being a lot more consumer friendly um so it's difficult to then rave about this when you know if it's so consumer friendly and cost effective to have discs you're not going to be able to use this feature of of the console um, right. so um but i mean that that doesn't mean it's a bad feature it doesn't mean you know there's no there's no sort of negative point to take from that because it's like what i said to you if i the reason i'm getting a digital ps5 isn't only because i probably won't end up using the disk drive but it's because this console is meant to have a super fast ssd in it i don't want anything to you know slow that down and a disc would do that so um yeah it's it's um it's a weird one um is is the series s or the series series s the 1440p one is that digital only it is yeah or is it okay yeah so on on consoles like that i suppose it'd work really well um but yeah it's uh it's just one of those things yeah i wonder it's another topic as well but as you brought that up is the the need to still have these disc versions of consoles, is that going to end up holding us back with these new features that can be possible like quick swapping and other aspects like that? If you have it all downloaded on your system and no need for a disc, uh, you can only have that ability by just having it all digital. So I wonder as we go forward, you know, what that will hold uh, back as far as features go. But there's still, the thing is they want to sell these consoles and a lot of people still buy the disc versions of them. So they're kind of we're held back, but by consumers really not by, or even the, just the in, internet infrastructure as a whole, we're held back by that and not, um, and even though we could have these cool new things if we went all digital, but it's a whole can of worms, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, th I, I think the features will still be there, um, regardless. I mean, it's like on, on PS4, I mean, back when I used to, um, sort of have disc games and things, uh, when I first, uh, got the console, I mean, if I look on my like, library of games, there'll be some, I'll be like, oh, I forgot I had that and I'll go to download it, but it was the disc version I had, so I can't download it. Um, so I think it does offer some inconvenience, but I think that's just discs in general. I think discs are just inconvenient in today's space for, you know, unless you have bad internet, then it's the opposite, uh, the other way around. But I think these features will still be, you know, made and uh, thought of and implemented just because it still improves, you know, the user interface and, and, um, the majority of people do still or do buy digital or from the PSN store. Um, so I think it is starting to become a majority thing. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, no matter what the majority becomes of how people play their games, disc will always be around um, until we have some sort of worldwide super fast internet. Because um, yeah, you know, there's always somebody who can't download games or can't get online. So uh, the discs need to be there for that. We need to get Elon Musk working on this high speed for everyone <laughs> yeah. worldwide. Yeah. Even if it means yeah. unlocking the AI or the robots, I guess I will take that, take our chances. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll enlist in the war against robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Yeah. That's it for us uh, this week. We can end it there. Where can they find you online? Uh, Twitter at Bear Monroe uh, is probably the best place. Awesome. And you can keep up with the show as well on Twitter at Plastic Heart Pod. That's it for us this week. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. See you later. Okay, let's go.